Good morning, and thank you for tuning in to Driven to the Cross radio broadcast. I'm your host, Dr. Alfred Fisher, and uh, we're recording this for Christ Covenant Church here in McAllen, Texas. I am so blessed you've chosen to tune in to us this morning. The very fact that you are willing to give of your time and listen is such a tremendous blessing. I hope that you all had a wonderful, wonderful Christmas, and that you were blessed beyond all measure. Before we begin this morning, I would like to go ahead and pray to open our broadcast. Our Father in heaven, Father, I come to you this morning. Grateful, Lord, for your blessings in our lives. Grateful, Father, that you have given us time. Father, as we come to you today, we know that this year of 2020 has been very turbulent and is coming to a close. Lord, you have sustained, you have covered, you have allowed things to be taken, you've allowed people to reorient their lives, and Lord, we pray that with each breath we draw closer to you. We thank you, O God, for hearing us and for being our provision. Lord, there's nothing we can do that could ever repay you, Lord Jesus. For the gift of salvation that you have given us. Father, I want to ask you humbly to please look upon us. Find favor with us, O oh God, as we press into you. And encourage us and allow us to learn from our mistakes. Father, would you heal this land? Would you move us forward and cause us to be ever brighter? and letting our light shine, cause our lamps to be full. Lord, in all that we do, we just want to give you glory. And we ask that you would hear our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, th this morning, as we are talking about all these different things, and we're beginning to go through our process of the Trinity, I wanted to take just a brief sidetrack, if you will. And I wanted to share something with you out of the Gospel of Luke in chapter 2. And it was, it struck me because I used part of this in my Christmas Eve message that we had. And I just wanted to share some of it with you. You know, when we get done here on this broadcast, there's time for you to come down to our church. We're located at 1320 West Nolana Avenue in McAllen, Texas. And our service starts at 1030. We have Sunday school at nine for all ages. And it would just be a blessing to get to know you and just a fellowship with you, link arms in the service of our Lord. So when this is over, why don't you uh, come on down and uh, come and worship with us. We would love to have you. Well, in our brief sidetrack, I want to show you something about God's providence. I want to show you something about the way God works. And it does tie into our series on the Trinity, but it's a just minor deviation, if you will. So I hope you'll bear with me in our brief time this morning. And we're going to start out in Luke chapter 2 and verse 1. And here is what I want to touch on. At the start of it, it says, and it came to pass in those days. Well, one thing I want to point out just with that opening statement right there, that it can apply to prophecy and can apply to uh, many different things, but this is a statement of fact that it had come about, that it was done. 
And it says here, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Now I ask you a question. As I did on Christmas Eve, how many of you like paying taxes? I would, I would wager that probably not a single one of us out there, if we were completely honest. But the leader of the known world decreed at this time that a census, a tax, and then notice what takes place following this. I want to, to show you some of this for a specific reason. And it says, And this taxing was first made in Cyrenius, when, who was the governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed into everyone into his own city. Now, why is that important? Well, it's because when you were of the tribe of Israel, of the nation of Israel, in order for you to be counted, in order for the people to pay the appropriate tax, you had to go where your tribe was. Now, this is important, and I really want you to understand. God used the government here to bring about his will. Let me say that again. God used the government to bring about his will. Remember, at this time, we're going to see here in just a few minutes that Joseph and Mary were involved. And if we look at the prophecies about the birth of Jesus, you're going to see exactly where they had to go. And because of their lineage, that is why they were ordered to go there. Now listen, and it says, And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David. Well, this was prophesied, brothers and sisters. We can look back in Isaiah, we can look in Daniel, we can look in many places and start to see the prophecies concerning the birth of Jesus. Now, one thing I want you to understand here is Joseph was being obedient. Not only was he faithful to his religion of being a Jew, his nationality of being a Hebrew, and part of the tribe, uh, part of the the, the tribe of of Judah, th where brothers and sisters, what I'm trying to tell you is something that I feel is profound. Not only was he civilly obedient, but he was obedient unto God. You see, Joseph was obeying the lesser magistrates. And what do I mean by that? The lesser magistrates is that civil government, the ones placed over us in our society. We would have police officers, judges, uh, mayors, uh, governors, lieutenant governors, presidents, vice presidents, senators, and representatives here. But now listen, listen, this is so important because so many people don't want to obey the law of the land. The only time that we would not obey the law of the land is very simply this, when it goes contrary to the word of God, then we side with God. But listen, there's something I want you to, to see that's coming up here. And this has a lot to do with relationships. And I'm not sure if, if you think about it this way, but I want to point something out to you. Every person has relationships. 
Every single person has a sphere of influence. Some are larger than others. Some are more prominent than others, but every person has a relationship. And now listen to what comes next here. It says, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And, and, and here is the, the crux of what I want to get to in this. One, this is a test of faith. But two, Mary, being the espoused wife, submitted to the authority of her husband. And she followed him because he was the head of the home. Now, you see, this is a great example for us as Christians. And I'm not just talking about marriages between a man and a wife. But this is so important because the church is part of the bride or is the bride of Christ. And we as followers in Christ are part of that bride. Now, that means that Christ is the head. So here's the question. And for those of you who have listened to me long enough, know that I like to ask you questions. But herein is the question for you. Are you obedient to God? Are you obedient in following him when he says, go, come with me? Even when it's going to be very taxing for you, I want you to follow me. I want you to come with me because I am the head. Now think about this for a moment. Here in our culture, in our society, we often want to have things easy. Every person wants ease. Every person wants comfort. Every person wants some form of entertainment or uh, no form of punishment, no form of discipline or anything like this. But here's what we see. Mary, in her late-term pregnancy, followed her husband obediently, went with him, just as when Christ directs us, we are to do. We are to give that honor, that responsibility. Now listen, listen to this. And so it was while they were there that the day should be accomplished that she should be delivered. Now, this is a fullness of time. This is a fulfillment of prophecy. But at the same time, do you understand that it was great cost? They couldn't hop on a plane and go. They couldn't get in a car or a truck and go. They couldn't get on a bus or a train. It was a arduous, difficult journey for them. And I want you to think about the patience that Joseph must have had. Why? Because those of you who have been around or have been pregnant, one, you're not very comfortable. Two, there are frequent stops. And knowing that you have to be obedient to fulfill the law of the land and to be in compliance, it might be kind of frustrating. But they went. And this is so vital. You see, when we are as Christians are obedient to Christ, there are many things that cause us discomfort, many things that cause us pain, many things that would be an inconvenience. And in today's society, Mary could have easily said no. Joseph could have said, no, Mary, hey, you know what? You just wait here. I'll go take care of this. You just stay home. But no, it shows the compassion of Joseph to care for his espoused wife, 
But it also shows the fact that he wanted the unity, that he was taking the role of authority, that he was being responsible for his family. Now, fathers, that's something that we have to focus on, being responsible for our families. But mothers, wives, being obedient to your husband is a sign of godliness. Now, listen to this. And it says in verse 7, And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. Now, if I want to stop right there because this is an important part of this account. The shepherds, they didn't take days off. They labored. They protected their flock. And many people think that a shepherd might have been an uneducated person, but I have to tell you something. They weren't necessarily uneducated. Being a shepherd was a godly profession. It still is. They would spend time learning. Why? Because there's not a whole lot of activity with sheep. But Notice the vigilance that they had here, keeping watch over their flock by night to keep the predators away, to keep them safe. And then I want you to notice that these watchmen, if you will, these men who were keeping watch over their flock were awake. They were astute. And here in verse 9, it says, And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. Now, brothers and sisters, that's a very natural response. Every single one of us would be afraid if the glory of God fully appeared before us. None of us would be able to stand in the presence. None of us are worthy. None of us are able of our own merit to be able to stand in the presence of God. And it says that they were that the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. Now, brothers and sisters, the glory of the Lord, it is so bright that it illuminated everything around them. Now, you know, that's something that would cause most people to fear. That would cause most people to tremble, and rightly so. But I want to tell you something. I want to show you something in this when we have unconfessed sin, it eats us up. When we have unconfessed trials, when we have things we haven't given to God, things that we think nobody knows about, they are our secrets that we have taken to the grave. We try and hide them. And we often try and hide from the presence of God. But I want to tell you something. That when God sends his angel and he gives that glory like he did here to these shepherds, I want you to notice what the angel of the Lord said next. And here is the beautiful part. When we as Christians trust in God, when we have been bought by the blood of the Lamb, when we have been redeemed, when our sins have been purged, we've been made as white as snow, and the robe of Christ's righteousness is placed upon us, we have nothing, absolutely nothing to be afraid of. Why? Because God the Father sees us through the blood of his son. Now listen to what he says. And the angel said unto them, 
fear not. Now let me say that again. Fear not. Why is that important? Brothers and sisters, that is a such an assuring statement, such an assuring benefit of the comfort of our mighty God. He didn't say, you shepherds, you wretched, deceitful, despicable people, tremble before me. No. What did he say? Fear not. Fear not. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. This in itself is such a profound statement. Last time I checked that word all, it means all. It is totally inclusive. Nothing is excluded to all people. Brothers and sisters, dear friends who are listening to this, this is the message of the gospel. The gospel means good news. Listen again to what the angel said in verse 10. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. He didn't say just to the Jews. He didn't say to the Romans. He didn't say to the Greeks. He didn't say to the Russians, the Chinese. He didn't say to those in the Philippines. He didn't say to those in Mexico or in the United States or Canada. He said all people. You see, there is neither Jew nor Greek in the family of Christ. We are all equal before God. This message of good tidings and great joy is for every person, to all people, that Christ was born. Now, my friends, I don't know about you, but that gets me excited to think to think that right here, declared before us, is the gospel. When you hear the gospel, and it is saving your soul, it's good news. You have a joy. You have a passion. You feel elated. It's a good news for all people. Because when we recognize that we are wretched, dirty sinners vile before God because we have broken the very law of God because we have transgressed the statutes and commands of Almighty God and here and here brothers and sisters we've been given the blessed opportunity to receive the gospel of Christ to know beyond the shadow of a doubt that this is good news for all people it was good news for me it was good news for you And what I have to tell you is this. God doesn't discriminate. God does not discriminate. Listen again. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. And then then God never does anything halfway. He always gives an expression. You see, this statement here, was kind of, could be considered vague if it had stopped right there. If there was nothing else given, no specifics given, it would have been vague. But listen to what he says. Listen closely. 
For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. So here we have the declaration of who Christ is. Here we have the declaration of the gospel for all the people. Then we see that for unto us is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. And look look what follows. Here is the specifics that the angel gave to the shepherds. You see, God is very specific in his word. And one of the reasons that I can tell you that is because Jesus himself says, I am the way, the truth, the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Look at what he says. And this shall be a sign unto you. So here's your marker, brothers and sisters. If you're listening, if you're taking notes, here's your marker. Here's your roadmap. Here is the specifics that God always gives. He's not vague when it comes to what sin is. He's not vague in the manner in which we are to be saved. He's not vague in the manner in which we are to be obedient. He doesn't say, go and have fun. Try and just figure it out on your own. No, God gives the very word of God for us to follow. And it's very specific and it's very clear. He says, here is a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And now, and now after the proclamation of the gospel and the specifics of where the Christ child was to be found, we find something powerful. Are you ready for it? Here's the powerful part. This is called the Song of the Angels. Listen, listen, and listen. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Now this is important. The gospel is about God. They're praising God. Anytime you testify, Anytime you give an account, any time in which you try and make something about yourself, you are perverting the gospel. Whenever you have the gospel message given, it is never about any one person. Whoever is delivering it, it is of no accord. Brothers and sisters, notice what was said here. Notice notice this song. No, listen, listen carefully. And suddenly there was an with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Now, brothers and sisters, my friends in Christ, I hope you realize something that is profound here. That was the purest message that could have been given. There was no self-aggrandizement. The angels of God proclaimed the glory of God, and did so with sincerity. Now, you might come back and say, oh, well, you know, pastor, but the angels, they were designed with a purpose to praise God. Yes, and so were you. My friends, the gospel was not perverted in this statement here. The gospel was made clear for all if they will just listen. Glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Nothing about the angel saying, look at us. Look at us. See how beautiful we are. See how majestic we are. No, they came and they delivered the message. Just as when you testify, when you witness, when you give glory to God in your praise and in your worship, when you show people who he is by your actions, 
That is the gospel. That is giving them the way, the truth, and the life. That they would come unto the Father through Jesus the Christ. Oh, my dear friends, if we will take ourselves out of the equation and allow God to be given the glory He is due, our worship will be pure. Our praise will be pure. And in that, when we minister in the name of Christ, it's not about us in any way. When we deliver the gospel message to those around us, when we give that message of hope in a dark and dying world, it's not about us. It's about giving glory to God. Now, one final thought as I bring this time to a close. I want you to think about something. In this Christmas season, it is the darkest time of the year. The winter solstice. It gets dark early. It gets light later. People are more in darkness than ever. But yet, but yet, God sent his son, the light of the world, to illuminate the darkness that we would see his glory and come unto him. Now, my friends, I want to invite you to come on down. Our service starts at 1030. You can find us at ChristCovenantMcAllen.org. You can find us on Facebook at Christ Covenant McAllen. And you can even find us on YouTube at Christ Covenant McAllen. Our sermons are up there. Won't you drop us an email? Won't you stop on by? You can support this ministry on our website. You can support it on Facebook even. And won't you consider linking arms with us as we serve our Lord and King? We want to have the opportunity to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And to give the message of hope. Because that is what our walk is about. That is what our covenant relationship with Jesus Christ is about. So my friends, once again, I'm Dr. Alfred Fisher. I'm the pastor at Christ Covenant Church. And thank you for tuning in to Driven to the Cross, a radio broadcast from Christ Covenant Church in McAllen. God bless you. May he keep you. May he enrich you. And we hope to see you soon.